What's popping, everyone? Got to bring back a kind of old intro. Not really, but anyway, uh, welcome to the Food Flicker NFL Show. I'm your host, Arib Umar. It's episode 68. Again, we just keep getting closer and closer to Gronk's favorite number. But I am once again joined by my great friend and co-host, Amal Ronek. And we've got a pretty fun show. I guess part two of what our last show was, where we had our offensive draft prospect rankings. Uh, this today we're going to be talking about our defense, you know, and we're not going to be talk- talking about special teams because I just could not be bothered to look up kickers and long snappers. But um, before we jump into any of that, what is going on, Amon? How are you doing? What's up, Reeb? Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, lots to talk about today. We're going to be going through all of our rankings, uh, going through all the defensive positional rankings that we have planned. We'll go through the top top ten defensive. Uh, defensive edge players uh then uh we'll go through our top uh top five interior defensive linemen interior defensive lineman class rebe actually has been noted to, notably said as one of the worst uh in history uh because it hasn't been it's not very deep at all mm-hmm. so there's no honestly, quinn and williams or honestly, Aaron Donald i could class. i wouldn't be surprised if there were single digit amount of players that are picked inside the interior defensive lineman higher category it's not it's not it's not that deep so um yeah interior defensive line we'll go through our top five on that then uh we'll go through our top i believe five linebackers as well linebackers it's it's relatively deep but uh you it's still it's it's still mainly there's still a big gap i'd say between the top and the rest of and basically the rest so uh we'll go through the top five linebackers and some of our sleepers there and then uh, we'll go through our top 10 corners. Uh, cornerbacks are probably the most stacked position in, uh, in this draft class. Probably that and wide receiver, I'd say, are probably the most stacked. So uh, definitely look forward to talking about that. And then lastly, of course, uh, the safeties, where uh, also not, it's not really that stacked, but uh, still got a good amount of players that we could talk about. So we'll list the top five of that. Um, but yeah, we can get started. Uh, not many, not too much news, I guess. Really, uh, the first news that I do want to bring up though for the day is uh, Alex Smith has announced that he will be retiring, and uh, I just wanted to say that congratulations. He's had a great career. Led the led the 49ers, I believe, to the a- uh, NFC Championship game. Uh, he he's he's been uh, he's been a great player. Um, Yes, he was picked first, picked over Aaron Rodgers, but I think still, I think that was still a, pr- a pretty good pick. I think they they uh, got got out everything they could from him, and uh, his story is just incredible. The amount of surgeries that he had to go through, the amount of pain he definitely had to have suffered on the field, even after he recovered, uh, and uh, the fact that he could even play games at an at still a pretty high level and ended up being a starting quarterback. For multiple games in this season is just is just incredible one of course what we all expected if he even played a single snap he would have won the ap comeback player of the year and uh he clearly deserved it. and he didn't just play one snap he played multiple games so uh i just wanted to congratulate alex smith on this incredible career he deserves to take this time off and uh he will probably be remembered as one of my favorite quarterbacks i've watched uh this up to this point so very happy to say that 
Yeah, I mean, I've never watched Walking Dead, but I'm assuming like the pictures of his leg are what you would see in Walking Dead, just like he was a zombie. And the fact that he was able to come back and even play games, let alone like win games. I think it was five and one this year with the Washington football team. Um, they didn't want him there, and he still came back. And I mean, he had the best comeback story of all time. His legacy is probably, I don't think his legacy is going to be, he was the guy who was picked over Aaron Rodgers. It's definitely going to be, this guy was always a winner wherever he went, brought that good mentality. He was well-loved with all his with all his teammates, coaches, everyone. And obviously, the greatest comeback story of all time. Probably rivaled with maybe like Adrian Peterson's ACL tear, or he came back like, less than a year later, and then he like torched the league for 2,000 yards. I'd say those two are pretty squarely like placed as the top two comeback stories, probably, in my opinion. But definitely Alex Smith is number one. Again, like his 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 leg was he was almost his leg was almost amputated. And the fact he came back and even played a game is ridiculous. But yeah, it's a great career to him. And I think we'll probably end up seeing him be a coach. Just seeing I don't want to like give him all the credit for helping Patrick Mahomes developed into the guy that he was, but Patrick Mahomes gives him a ton of credit. So I'll give that, I'll sort of default to Patrick Mahomes in that regard that he knows what he's talking about. And he's not just saying it to be like a good friend. I think Alex Smith can definitely be a, a good coach if he wants to. And I think we'll end up seeing that eventually, probably not anytime soon, but eventually we might see him as a coach somewhere. But yeah, I mean, the, Patrick, yeah. his statistical best career was his last year in Kansas City. So maybe Patrick Mahomes might be right there. Yeah. Um, and the, the, I guess not even the last, there's only two pieces of news really we're talking about. Mike Tomlin head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers got a three-year contract extension. And to that, I say, no, duh. I think we can move on. Yeah. There's, there's absolutely like no surprise here. People that are saying that uh, he, he doesn't deserve it. I mean, like the dude has never gone below 500 and has, and has won a Super Bowl. Never. I mean, it's it's insane. And Bill he had Bel- Duck Hodges playing yeah. quarterback last and, year. And Bill Belichick this past year did go under 500. So I'm not going to obviously compare. Like, obviously, Bill Belichick has six rings. Tomlin has one. But I'm just saying, like, this man, he, 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 he definitely deserves to keep his job. I don't want to hear any type of controversy that that he doesn't deserve this extension. Uh, great on him. And uh, – yeah, we can move on. There's honestly nothing much to be said about this. Yeah, and we can go right into our NFL draft defensive rankings, starting with defensive linemen and more specifically edge rushers and all. And we are very much going to be different, especially on some of these players. Cough, cough, Gregory Rousseau. We're definitely going to be on opposite sides of the fence for some of these players, but I think we just jump into our rankings and these are going to be consensus rankings. So I'm taking my rankings and Amal's rankings and averaging them together. And we're going to end up getting some ties and such is the case with the first two players here. We both have uh, Jalen Phillips, the edge out of Miami and Quiddy pay the edge out of Michigan tied. So we have them tied at, uh, for number one. I just want to start with Jalen Phillips because he's my number one guy and you have Quiddy pay at two. And then we have them, uh, we have Quiddy pay at one and then interchangeable uh, at number one and two. What I like about Jalen Phillips, dude, this guy is, he's not like a JJ Watt type of prospect, Nick Bosa type of prospect. But in his own regard, I think he's very technically sound, and he is a great athlete. He, he's just more than good enough to get enough pressures. Uh, he has great technique. He's a smart pass rusher. He knows how to set up his moves, and he gets better as the game goes on, which just shows like he's he's not getting better because he's 
athletically superior because yeah he is an athletic like he's he is a good athlete but i don't think it's that he's athletically superior superior he just knows how to use moves and set up previous moves uh based on like other moves he, he's just very smart in that regard my only uh my only knocks against him are really I, I don't know how high of a ceiling of a player he can be i think he can definitely be like a double digit ceiling player but this edge class in my opinion is weak or weaker than other edge classes because in previous edge classes we've had you know the Bosa tw- the Bosa twins the Bosa brothers we've had them ranked like top five players in their class Chase Young top five Miles Garrett literally number one versus like uh, Jalen Phillips and Quiddy Pay I have them ranked in the teens like I think ten to eleven through fifteen that's where I rank them like they're they're good players I just don't know how high of a ceiling they can actually ever attain just because of their athleticism and all that. And also, uh, Quiddy, uh, rather Jalen Phillips, he has a concussion history. I mean, he, I think he 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 was forced to retire previously due to concussions, and then ended up coming back, transferring to uh, Miami, and then he ended up balling out in his his senior year, or not senior in twenty twenty, whatever he was. I think he was a junior, but he ended up balling out there. And I really like Jalen Phillips. You can talk about Quiddy Pay though, because you're higher on Quiddy Pay than I am. Yeah, I mean, one. I mean, I guess the main main difference i guess the re- between them i i like explosiveness of uh of quiddy pay as a pure edge rusher more than i guess jalen phillips uh and also like you brought up like i think as your last point uh i think jalen phillips does have uh he does have the injury risk and it wasn't even with uh miami that he brought he had a lot of the injury risk i believe it was when he was with ucla he had he had those injury risks there so um that, I think that was my major uh, thing that was holding me back for Jalen Phillips. But Jalen Phillips is an absolute monster, too. Uh, I would love to have either or on the team. I think uh, Quiddy Pay, I think if he I, – I, I think uh, he, he, he has great short, choppy steps. I definitely see that uh, in his game. But I think he needs to – I think he, he's got great determination. I think – I, I just like uh, what I see from him. And I think as an overall prospect, I think he's a bit raw, but I think he's got all the intangibles to be a true, uh, true edge, a true best player on the defense type of potential. Uh, that's what I like with Quiddy Pay. Jalen Phillips has the same thing. I think Jalen Phillips' measurables are like incredible. So uh, he's like tall, he's explosive. So I'm also a fan of him too, but I think. The only thing that I have with him is you, his hands, I guess, are the only weaknesses weakness that I see in his game compared to Quiddy Pay. So, but I think uh, his speed is insane. His burst is is great as well. But yeah, and the durability. So I that's that's the only thing that's holding me back there. But yeah, Quiddy Pay at one for me. Phillips at two. You have Phillips at one. Quiddy Pay at two. Uh, they're both most likely going to be picked within like five picks, if anything. I, I expect, expect both to be. Picked oh yeah, by for sure. 20. By the top twenty, they should both be picked. Yeah. Um, what I liked about uh, Quiddy Pay is I think he's a really sound run a run defender, and I think he knows gap discipline. He knows how to squeeze the space when he has to, and also I think you say you said him being raw as like a, a factor. I think he is raw in the pass game. I think sometimes his leverage just isn't there. His bull rush isn't there. And you see those factors definitely at play for him. 
But I think those are things that can be coached up. I think he has all the like physical tools to, again, be another double-digit sack guy. He just needs to be coached up. I just think Cody Payne needs more coaching than Jalen Phillips, which is why I have Jalen Phillips at one. And number uh, we talked about uh, explosiveness, right? I think number three, we have arguably the most explosive pass rusher in this year's class, maybe by a large margin, actually, too. In Aziz Ojolari, the edge rusher from Georgia, what I love about Aziz Ojolari, we both have him at three, by the way. He's extremely fast. The best speed rusher in this class by like a, like a mile. His entire game is speed rushing around the edge. And he's a bit lighter. I think he's like 240. But the thing is, he comes off the edge so damn quick that he can turn that speed into like a pretty decent bull rush as well. It's like his bull rushing isn't based off him being powerful on his own. It's just based off him being that damn quick at coming off the edge. Um, what I didn't like about him, I, first of all, I think he can be a phenomenal pass rusher and he has really high pass rushing ceiling just in that regard. But what I didn't like, I just think his, his run game just wasn't as, you know, as prevalent in his film purely to the fact that he's 240 versus Jalen Phillips is like 260. Quiddy Pay is, I think also 260. Those guys can definitely hold against the run, hold up against these pass rushers, uh, run blockers rather versus I think. I don't know necessarily if Aziz, Ojal- Aziz Ojolari can do that as effectively. So I think as a pass rusher, Aziz Ojolari has arguably a higher ceiling than both those guys. It's just that I think at some point, especially early in his career, he might just end up being like a third down p- p- pass rusher. And you might just have to take him off the, take him off the field just because he doesn't give you the best utility in the run game. Yeah. So for me, uh, Aziz Ojolari is a monster, by the way. I, I think he's also, like you said, probably very. He's probably one of the most dynamic uh, edges in this class. But I think the biggest weakness thing that's holding him back is I think his strength. Like you said, I think he's probably he can he can survive or even the NFL when he's at two hundred forty pounds. So he's got he's got a he's got to add weight to handle the strength of uh, these offensive linemen that are there. Um, and I think if he once he adds strength, he can convert his speed, which is incredible, uh, and uh, and power through those offensive linemen. And I think uh, that's the only thing that I guess is really holding him back. Otherwise, yeah, the, the burst is just like elite burst, but he probably has the best burst in this entire class. So um, shooting right off the gaps, I think he does well. But like I said before, I think the only thing that that that's there is his, uh, his size. Yeah. I think, uh, he needs to gain more weight. And other than that, he's, he's incredible. He's a very athletic, uh, great hands, uh, flexible. I, I think he can, uh, I think, uh, I, I like what I saw, I saw from film when I watched Aziz Ojolari. So yeah, we we can move on from that. Yep. Edge number four, our consensus number four, Ronnie Perkins out of Oklahoma. I have him at five. You have him at six, I believe. What I like about Ronnie Perkins is when I was watching Oklahoma State and I was watching the offensive lineman, Tevin Jenkins, right? And we all know Tevin Jenkins, he's extremely strong. He's a mauler. But the only guy I saw him give any trouble to was Ronnie Perkins from Oklahoma. Ronnie Perkins, first of all, we're going to talk about hustle guys. There's two other hustle guys in this list. Uh, One, I think, Joseph Asai out of Texas. And then the other one, Joe Tryon, both those guys have extremely high hustle and motors. 
same thing with Ronnie Perkins. He is always running after the ball. He's always has playing with high energy. He's listed at six foot three, 247. His power is definitely there. You can see his initial burst, all that. Uh, I just think as a sort of as a ball of clay, if you want to use that term, like if you want to sort of make him a mold, mold him into someone, I think he has a lot of physical tools to do that. Like I said, good hustle. He has a good blend of split, a good blend of speed and power. I cannot speak today, but I think he has all the physical tools to be a pretty impact player. I'm great at setting an edge as well in the run game. So I really like Ronnie Perkins, and he was someone I ended up watching. Like I wasted my time watching like Gregory Rousseau before I ended up watching Ronnie Perkins. Ronnie Perkins to me was just a way better player. He had way more impact than a lot of uh, these other guys. And he sort of went under the radar, I think, just because I think we all heard the flashier names and he sort of went under the radar because of that. But yeah, I, I like Ronnie Perkins. I just think only thing that was really holding him back for me is he just needs to get better at like coming up with a plan and coming up with more pass rushing moves, maybe more inside move. Um, but yeah, I think he has all the tools to be a, a pretty a, a pretty impactful player at the next level. Yeah, so uh, for me, Ronnie Perkins, I had him at six. Uh, he's incredibly quick. Uh, he's quite agile. I think he's quick at the snap of the ball. Uh, Flexibility is pretty good as well. Um, he he, and I think just because of that flexibility and the speed that he has, he creates pressure on quarterbacks like just like that. It, it's very easy for him. Uh, I think. The the my main issue with him, I guess, is the same issue that I had with uh, Aziz Ojolari is his play strength, and I think uh, he he can't he sometimes fails to uh, shed blocks. I, I definitely saw that in film. Uh, so his hand usage, I guess, I guess, is the only thing that needs help. Um, but yeah, other than that, I like what I see from Ronnie Perkins. I disagree with you. I think his power is fine, but I, I can understand maybe disengaging from blocks. Like I, I can kind of understand that aspect of it, but no, no, I, no think, I, I, th- I think the reason that you're probably saying that is you don't see it because he has a lot of momentum from the speed. True. Maybe, so you definitely see that probably when I, you're I looking kind at him, but I, I, I mean, he's just like, he, there are, it's very like, I don't know how to say this, but like, against the run it it looks it it looks like he he has a lot of trouble honestly shedding through blocks and uh i guess that's fair enough that's where i saw uh, a bunch of problems there yeah and i don't know if that's necessarily power versus just hand usage and technique but uh we can agree to disagree i think his play strength is fine but I, i can also understand getting off blocks in the run game now tied at number five we have two players uh, one, I'm going to talk about him first. Joe Tryon, the edge out of Washington, six foot five, two sixty two, and I just talked about like you know finding a template and molding someone into molding the tools of someone into a great edge rusher. Joe Tryon has all the tools, in my opinion. Now, first of all, his get off, initial get off, first two, three steps, he has that burst, right? He has that power combination. He has a great inside swim move as well, which is like you want to see. You want to see someone have some sort of a pass rushing moves. He has something in his repertoire. Um, and by the way, before I dive into him more, I have him at six, by the way, and Amal has him at seven. Um, and he is our consensus edge tied for five uh, with another guy. And I, I like his bend around the edge. 
some people say he's not a finisher anymore, and I can see that, but I can also I would also point to the fact that Washington just didn't use their players well whatsoever. They were in like a three like a three down scheme where it was like they only had three players on the line at all the time. And that that hurt both the two players where we're going to end up talking about Joe Tryon, the first one, and Levi and Wuzurike out of Washington as well, the defensive tackle. Because it's going to be harder to finish when you have less bodies to help you finish. Like he, both these guys were getting double teamed a ton. And I don't know if Joe Tryon necessarily didn't finish because of his own skills or because he was getting double teamed all the time. And I think he handled the double teams pretty well, was able to split them occasionally. Um, yeah, so I, I like all that. Uh, I think some knocks on him probably would be pad level and just being a bit more consistent. But again, he, he's someone I think has all the athletic tools. And if you can sort of mold him into a player you want him to be, I think he can be a really high ceiling player just because I think he has the get off. He has the power. You just need to coach that into him more consistently and make sure he doesn't get up too high and he actually uses his leverage well. But I like Joe Tryon. Yeah, so for me, Joe Tryon, I think he has great size, great length. Uh, from the, I think he, yeah, I mean, he, what, he's like 6'5", 260. Uh, arm length is there as well. So I think overall he's got the right build. Uh, strength is on point too. Shredding blocks, he does ex- extremely well. He's got good speed, good quickness, good agility. Uh, so he's his athleticism is also there. My only my thing with him, uh, Arib, I think uh, along with the weaknesses that you added on, I think uh, sometimes uh, he tends to be a bit passive uh, when he's playing at the edge. Uh, I think that's that's a weakness that I saw. Um, and the other thing, Arib, is that there wasn't a lot of film on Joe Tryon. I think, uh, yeah, it's 2019 film. Cause he opted out. He opted out last year. And also like he was only, he was developing, uh, at the, he only started to show true promise at the end of that 2019 season. So like, honestly, you can probably say there's like what five good games out of him, maybe four to five good games out of Joe Tryon. And you can't, you can't go hard. It's very hard to judge only off of four to five games how good a, an edge player will be. That too from a year and a half ago. So, um, and, I, and on top of that, I, like I, that goes on to show that he's a, he's a raw prospect. So he definitely still needs to be developed into becoming a true uh, edge player. But he has everything. He has all the tools. His physicality is there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if he just develops. Uh, and into that true defensive edge, I think he he's uh he's gonna be a player to watch out for. Yeah, and then tied with him for number five was Payne Turner, the edge out of Houston, six of five, two hundred seventy. What I liked about Payne Turner is, first of all, I'm gonna compare him directly to the guy I don't want to talk about, Gregor Rousseau, who I don't have him on my top ten. Spoiler alert: I have him down here at number 12 actually so just outside of my top 10 he'll go higher just because people are going to be infatuated with his length and all that but when i look at peyton turner amal i saw gregory rousseau except actually developed and i saw people i saw him with actual pass rushing skills he knew how to use his hands he knew how to use his leverage he knew to get down and make sure he didn't get up too high so he could maintain his power um, he also had some quickness that I just didn't see Rosso have on film whatsoever. 
I just, that's not sure. I saw Russo have it on film whenever he played defensive tackle and lined up as a three tech, but I, not, not as a five tech edge rusher. I saw Peyton Turner have all that. So I'm just going to, I'm, I'm just going to say he's just a better Rousseau in my opinion. You have him at nine. I have him at four. So I'm, I'm definitely higher on him than you are, but I, I really like Peyton Turner. He just has all the power quickness combinations that you'd like to see from Gregor Rousseau, just that he does it better. Um, yeah. And my only knock on him would just be, uh, again, I don't know, like, uh, he has some injuries in his background as well. And I think he can add some more pass rush moves to his repertoire. But that being said, like I said, he's already pretty decent in that regard. He just, and all these guys are just, we got to remind ourselves, these guys are like 21 year olds, 22 year olds. They definitely haven't hit their athletic ceilings, let alone they haven't had great coaching. I mean, he went to Houston. I'm sure if he went to like New England or something like that, he'd be a far better pass rusher come like year two or year three in the NFL. But I think he just he, he gives you a really high floor. And on top of that, he gives you a high enough ceiling based on the tools that he, you, he saw on film. Yeah, I like Peyton Turner. Yeah, so for me, my, my, my uh, weaknesses with, uh, with uh, Peyton Turner is uh, his, his consistency was my, my main issue with him. He couldn't uh, – he got, he got quite high in stance when I saw him play. So his power was sometimes lacking. Uh, I saw that many times. So uh, he he can he does have a he does have great acceleration when I see uh, when he atta- attacks offensive linemen. But the problem is uh, he loses momentum when he when he's uh, when he's uh, lined up too high. Uh, so I, I saw that as as a, as a weakness for him. And um, I guess the other weakness that I really had with him was uh, I guess yeah I mean his he can be overmatched sometimes in power. Uh, I also think he's quite raw, Reeb. I think, uh, like you said, he went to a small, he went to Houston, which doesn't have that much competition. So I think he needs to be, uh, he needs to be under the right system in order for him to truly uh, turn out to be the player that you make him out to be. Uh, I think he's underrated. Like you said, I think he, uh, he has all the, the, the physical attributes, um, He's 6'5", 270. He's got gr- good height and great uh, great weight for an edge. But I think, uh, yeah, I think his con- if he's more consistent, I think uh, that's that's my only thing that's holding back uh, for Peyton Turner to be higher. And I think also the fact that he, he his competition level wasn't that high when he was at Houston. So, yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, I would say his competition wasn't all there. And he did have some inconsistencies. But just comparing him to Gregory Rousseau, his pad level was just, oh, just way more consistent, his power more consistent, speed more consistent, get off. I just think he was, like I said, I just, I just think he's a better Gregory Rousseau. Um, at number seven, the guy I just put into my top 10 purely because, you know what, I was like, to the hell with it, whatever. Jason Owe, the pass rusher out of Penn State. Um, I believe he stands at six foot five of them all, like 245, 250. Maybe 260, I forget. Uh, but Gregor, uh, Jason Oway, rather, edge out of Penn State. I have him number 10. I would have him lower, but at some point I've got to realize, I've got to suck it up. The fact that this guy might just be the best athlete of any pass rusher ever coming out of college. I mean, he actually ran a 4-3. It was rumored that he'd run a 4-3. This man actually went out and did it. He has all the skills. He, people are copying him to Daniel Hunter. And I'm just going to be flat out honest. 
I think he's going to bust. I think Jason Owe is going to bust just because I think he's just going to end up being another overhyped guy who goes in the first round, maybe high second, where everyone's like, he has all this, he has all the physical athleticism to do it. But when it comes to what he has in his tool belt, Amal, as a pass rusher, he has nothing. He has absolutely nothing. His get off, you don't really see it on film from what I saw. Uh, I watched a few games of his. He, he sometimes he would just get off the ball slow. Like he'd get off, he'd start like half a second after everyone else. Uh, I didn't see his get off there. I, I saw some power. I can see his pressures were kind of there as well. But just finishing, he actually got zero sacks in the season, which like that's ridiculous from someone who's presumed to go in the first round. Uh, I I just don't see him as a polished prospect whatsoever. And again, you're not drafting him as a polished pass rusher. You're drafting him because again, he's might be the arguably the best athlete ever like who's ever come out of college from the edge position. And that's what you're, you're hoping you can coach him up. He's the definition of sort of trying to mold someone into what you want him to be. Cause he has all the tools, but uh, rather he has all the athleticism. I don't think he has any tools though, when it comes to actually being a football player. And I actually said, I'm all, like if you run so fast, why not just put him at linebacker? Cause I just think if he's already running that fast, he's that big. You might've just might as well just play him at linebacker. I think you'd play better there. Okay. So for me, um, I had Jason Owe at my number four edge rebound him at 10. So uh, that's why Owe fell down this list. Uh, for Reeb, it's increasing up this list for me. It's uh, falling down. So, uh, so for me, Jason Owe, like you said, the, his pro day is probably the best pro day I've ever seen off of, off of uh, an edge, period. I can say that off the rip. I, I, incredible pro day. How much can you take a pro day with? A grain of the salt? I agree with that. So, I mean, it, it's incredible stats. So, uh, Reeb does have a point there. But uh, my thing is, Reeb, it's top tier. It's elite speed that he has on the edge. He has great length, and I think he his his overall build is just there. I think he has above average power, elite speed. He has his physicality is pretty ideal. Off the run, he's very reliable, um, and he, his awareness is 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 there. I mean, his awareness is probably among one of the best in this class. I I, I like that a lot uh, from him. Uh, his quickness. To shut off blocks was easy. Uh, I thought he showed a lot of ability to engage and generate a uh, generate a push with a bull rush. I saw that as well. Uh, I guess my uh, and I also liked how uh, he used his reach as well. He had a bunch of deflections that I saw uh, during games. Uh, but I guess the only weakness, like you said, is he that he does lack polish as a pass rusher. That's a um, big weakness too. You can't just say only weakness. As as I mean, as an impact when he ha- but, but well, here's the as thing. an impact here's, player. Here's the thing. Here's the thing though, Reeb. You can say that he lacks polish, but he also has all the athleticism to, of course, main of course, uh, gain polish. He can also literally he can turn into pro- uh, one of the top top uh, edges yeah. in this league. And, and that's why I have him in my top 10 purely because of that. But as an impact player but in you have to college look at him football, as a, you have to look at him as an overall prospect as a defensive edge. And you're looking at him as only as his pure skills that he has. And I think he has none. Uh, and if you're going to look at that, then he shouldn't even be, he shouldn't even be listed in the top 10, but you, you have to go at it overall. And just based off that, I think. Yeah. And that's why he's in my top 10 period because overall, 
I don't think he's a good player. No, I just think he's a good athlete. But I'm saying he's not a good athlete is an understatement, though. That's my point here. I think fine. He's an elite athlete, and I think he has shown enough promise for him to, with that great athleticism, uh, to be warranted as a top five edge. Uh, We're always going to agree to disagree on this one. Uh, he's the definition he, he's, of a boomer bust player. Like if I if he's a first round player, I wouldn't touch him if I was a GM because he's, I'd just be so afraid. I'd take him in like the late second, early third, maybe mid third. That's where I'd be comfortable taking Justin A. away because he is a project player. He's that probably the biggest definition of a project player in NFL history at this point. But he is a project player at the end of the day, and I just want more reliability in my players. I, I mean, at the end of the day, it's it, it is it is, it can I don't know if I'd consider it a boom or bust pick. I still think he's going to be a very good player. Uh, I think if you you know what you're going to get from him, uh, I, you I don't I, though. Mo. I, I, in my opinion, I, I think know. you do. Uh, Fair and enough. I think uh, I ex- uh, he, he did generate zero sacks, so that that is obviously a weakness. But he just still generated great uh, pressure uh, on the quarterback. I definitely saw that in film. Uh, but I think. The weakness, like I said, is uh, pol- his polishness, I guess, is his weakness. And I guess he plays a bit high. I, can, I think that that was another weakness that I saw with him. But I think... Overstating, understating it, dude. <laughs> I, I think um, overall he brings... Uh, yeah, his, his potential's through the roof for me. Um, and that's... that's uh, yeah, that's, that's something I, we can I, finally agree on, on Jason Owen. His I, potential I, is out of this world. Yeah. It's just, he needs to go to a place like Minnesota should draft him. Because I think Minnesota already, like... Mike Zimmer already knew how to develop Daniel Hunter, another raw prospect. He could do that again. And you know what? If he goes to Minnesota, then I agree with you. He's going to be a stud. But if he goes to like anywhere else, I just don't know if I have enough faith in him to work out. And he's someone I think is going to boom year two or year three. I don't think he's going to boom immediately because he's very, very raw. Um, But yeah, number eight of them all. Carlos Basham, aka Boogie Basham, the edge out of Wake Forest, six foot five, two hundred eighty-five. He is big. I just said 285 of all, but he actually plays like a smaller player. He has a lot more finesse and agility and sort of lateral athleticism to his game. Similar to Quiddy Pay. I forgot to mention that for Quiddy Pay, but Quiddy Pay's lateral agility is out of this world. And I think Carlos Basham is very close behind that. Um, his size gives him the ability to where he's going to be a run game monster. It's going to be hard to move him out of the way. Uh, he's another guy with a good inside swim move, similar to a Joe Tryon. Yeah, I, I think he's he's a guy who is in the he's a I wouldn't say a speed rusher. He's more of a finesse rusher in the body of a big pass rusher. So yeah, it's, his finishing also wasn't there, similar to Joe Tryon. But I just like what you're getting from his tools, Amal, and you've seen him produce at a high enough level where you're like, you know what, I like this. And he also gives you versatility because I think he's someone who he can play th- a three tech, he can play five tech, and he can be pretty good at all those positions. And just his explosiveness as well is there. You have him at number eight. I have him at number seven, and he is our consensus number eight. So yeah, I, yeah. I like Boogie Basham. I, I, mean, I, th- I think you uh, you hit the nail on the head. I think my old, the thing I wanted to add, I guess, on the strength, his his uh, capability of forcing turnovers, Arib, is insane. Like I don't know if you saw the way like he would uh, force fumbles, but oh my gosh, mm-hmm. uh, he's had seven forced fumbles over the last two seasons. I think that's incredible. Um, Considering in, in in college, it's kind of hard to be doing that stuff. And he he forced uh, his game against, uh, I believe Trevor Lawrence. He he showed that uh, well. So um, yeah, I think uh, the weakness is that I think 
I think at the snap of the ball, he doesn't get out the line super quickly. I think that's my only other big weakness. I think shutting off blocks, I think it could be another weakness that I can add to his game. But yeah, overall, I'm a fan. Uh, we actually drafted his brother, Carlos Basham, who I believe is now on the Jets. So, um, and he's turning out to be a pretty solid player. Uh, I believe we drafted him, I believe, in the fourth round. So, uh, and I think I can definitely say he's a better player. So, um, mm-hmm. looking forward to see how, yeah. how he develops. And all these guys, including Terrell Jason Owe, are I said, around I said his two brother, guys. Terrell Basham. That's who we brought. Terrell, yeah. yeah, Carlos Basham someone else, my guy. Yeah, but, um, Carlos Basham's this guy, yeah. And all these guys we're talking about today, um, I'm going to talk about a sleeper later on. He might be like a round three type of guy, but I think all of them are like definitely first round to second round guys. Um, now, number nine, the guy who, whose name I didn't want to mention, you can say his name because I don't want to say his name anymore. But What's his name, Mareep? I don't know his name. It, can, you, can you tell? Can you, what's his I'll name? I'll call him. I'll call him the the worst number fifteen for Miami because since Jalen Phillips also wore number fifteen, they didn't play the same season. But uh, Mister uh, Greg he, Gregory Rousseau, you made me say his name. I have him at number twelve. You have him at number five. <sighs> just just talk about what you want to say about him, and then we can stop talking. This about dude's him. a monster, Reeb. Disagree. He's an absolute monster. Absolute monster. No, sh- I'm not shocked that he was actually ranked the number one defensive edge player entering into the end uh, at the end of the season. Six six two sixty. He can play both the three four and the four three. Uh, versatility is there. The only de- the only your only of course your I know the same criticism you're gonna give to Owe you're gonna give to this guy is lack of development. Uh, I guess that that's the only thing that's there. But he managed to get. 15 and a half sacks in 13 games, Arib. So, uh, that uh, he lucked into sacks just flat out. He lucked into sacks. Quincy Roche, who I have up number 14, he was the other Miami pass rusher. He played with both Phillips. And he's got a high motor, Arib. Come Dude, on, Quincy got, Roche. Got, no, Quincy Roche no. was better as an impact player, okay. Than Gregory Rousseau and okay, I have Gregory Rousseau listed higher than him. Here's so, the thing. Like, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think maybe if you if you put Rousseau at DT, maybe that's why. I guess that's the big difference here. If you put him at DT, he could be maybe a bit more effective. But I think he's got ideal length and the bulk bulkiness to be a true defensive end in the, in the NFL. Uh, weaknesses, yeah, he's slow. To, he's just kind of a slow mover out of the gate. Uh, I think. Um, three cone drill was awful i think i can agree with that as well i think you're gonna gonna be you're gonna drop him down at your your rankings now all his three cone was terrible his three cone (laughs) was terrible but i think that's the only reason i dropped him down to begin with uh no but i'm 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 being serious and also seriousness i think he has true his potential is also through the roof his flexibility uh to bend the edge and close onto the pocket is there for sure and um, yeah, I just like his high motor. So um, okay, I will agree with that. That's one thing I will definitely agree with you. High motor guy. I know I said I talked about uh, Joe Tryon and Ronnie Perkins and Joseph Osai. They have high motor. So does Fifteen and a half sacks. So and a, and a half sacks he locked into lie. it, bro. He locked into it. No, you, know, you can't. You know, you, you know who? You know that. who else? No, you no, no. You, you know who you else can't. had a ton of sacks in college? Marcus Smith. Former Philadelphia Eagles. No, but that's different. He no, had like different. 15 or that's 16. Different. No, that's different. How is it different? How is no, it different? That, that is different because how Marcus, is it different? Marcus Smith went to fucking Louisville, bro. 
chill out. That, that and my that, and Miami was he. Miami, was are really you are you sucked. trying to compare? Are you trying okay, to compare? Uh, no, I'm, I'm not going to compare. Don't don't you dare! Compare, yeah. Don't you but dare! Gregory Rousseau, Miami bro. Gregory Rousseau, no, dude. No. He has okay. Uh, he has the length. He has the hustle. And I would say he has some decent. You, there's a difference in playing in the ACC and playing in the AAC. That's all I'm gonna say. That's all I'm gonna say. Okay, fair right? enough. I agree. No, no, no. no that, but, I think that if you're gonna really compare him to Marcus Smith, or but no, but that, no, the idea is college, no, in college you can luck into no, production. No, but he did that, and he did that, and arguably the I most sent you the tweet. Bro, I sent you a tweet. A tweet. Let me see if I can find it. I have it somewhere safe. Dude, ju- it it doesn't matter, Arib. I mean. He, he, it, okay, it, according to PFF's top edge rushers, Gregory I thought Rousseau, you didn't like PFF, 50, by the way. I mean, they're pretty accurate in some regards, in some stats. All right, here's so the thing. 50, Even if you put 53% of, of all... Uh, uh, 53% of his pressures are unblocked okay, or clean up go, pressures. Go keep, go keep going down the list. Who's next? Yeah, I see Jason Owe, but Jason Owe just didn't have a lot of pressures to all begin right, with. Okay, forget so. that. All right, <laughs> even Aziz Ojolari, a guy that we have pretty high, he's at 41%. So it's not like... There's a big gap between the two. And on top of that, I think it's unfair to say that all of Jason Owens, I mean, all of Gregory Rousseau's sacks are out of pure luck. And like, oh, not all of them. A lot of them come from been. him being a three tech and he Dude. played decent. And he is, if he bulked up and played defensive tackle, I think he'd be a phenomenal defensive tackle. I just don't think he has any of the explosiveness currently or the consistency when it comes to explosiveness, power, pad level, leverage. He just doesn't have any okay he has the physical I think, traits I think like a jason Owe. on tape Reeve, i think you're seeing him as a skinny little guy that got lucky to get sacks i think that's the only oh no, no i disagree i, I think, think that's, that's got to be the way you're seeing it I, I think he 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 gained 25 he gained 25 pounds off his pro day that so he cool. he knows he has to play defensive tackle to be a good player and i and well he could but, um, but the point is he can do everything he can do he can do either or that's my point and that his versatility is why he's quite high for me honestly too and i think he's gonna be a playmaker on the defensive edge and i think he, could he has also no be a- pass rushing plan and, and i he think he has on the defensive he, tackle. so he can do either or he has an extremely low floor and i think from for my early picks i want to have someone who i know can be a good player i don't know if gregory Rousseau can be a good player I just think he's very much too raw. He has some tools, but he's just too inconsistent with his get off. Uh, he gets he got bullied by like some tight Is ends. Is it a gamble? Like. I'll agree. Is it a gamble? Yes. Yeah. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. He got it, blocked by tight ends. Like I'm tight ends shouldn't be able to block you when you're six foot six, two hundred. Whatever. Gonna, you I'm are. not gonna say he's he's not a gamble, but I mean I I don't know Arib. I'm just I don't know. I'm just higher than him. I mean I'm not. I'm clearly not the only one that's high on him. I mean. Yeah, obviously you're not people. the only one. I think I'm, you're the I, only one that's super low on him. I can definitely say that. But I've actually seen people have him like outside their top ten, and so I have him outside my top ten as well. But uh, reputable people or just like people out in general. Just, just I've like, seen him range anywhere from eight to like twelve from some pretty well-known draft people. That and there's I also people that have them top at, top at number 20. one. So yeah, there's people yeah. that have him as a top twenty player in the draft. And but I'm I not. Think, I'm not even saying I have him there. I'm not even saying I'm having mm-hmm. him there. I'm I, like I said, he's my edge five. We I, just value different things. I think that's what it comes to. You want to draft more for ceiling, and I'm all for drafting for ceiling when it comes to a guy like Panay Sewell, who has extremely athletic traits. You saw him put it together, kind of on film. It's not even just it's, ceiling, though, Reeb. I think as you you have to look at them as a pure as like athleticism and what they did in the college level and whether they can. And he didn't do enough in college oh. for me, where I saw him being consistent enough. All right, then as 
that's a where we'll agree impact to playmaker. I think that's where we'll agree. I just think, again, he has tools. He just didn't use them whatsoever. Yeah, we can move on. We, um, we'll, agree to <laughs> we'll agree to disagree. I think okay. you have to look at the college players also effort, I think, to transition into the, into the NFL. And I think that's, that's where uh, we'll disagree. So uh, we can move on. Yeah, um, Joseph Osai, defense. He was a more of a three, four outside linebacker, but he's still an edge for from Texas, the Longhorns. We both had him at 10, I believe. Yeah, we both had him at 10. You had him at 7, I had him at – I had him at 8, actually. 8, okay. So, a little bit higher. Yeah. Um, what I like about him, I think he's an athlete who has good enough hustle. I just think he was more impactful as a player than Gregory Rousseau. Uh, so, Honestly, if you want to switch out Osai and Rousseau, maybe I could understand it. But Osai to me, I think he just definitely had more, much more of an impact from that edge rushing position than Gregory Rousseau had. So that's why I'm willing to, I'm willing to gamble on someone like Joseph Osai. For no, being but a, my, a, my a, thing a, is uh, with the Osai is he's not, he can't play the four three scheme. I think. Yeah, I agree with that. Yes, he he's. He, his versatility he is a 3-4 player, once, he can't, he's for there sure. for 3-4, but he cannot play 4-3. So, um, and I think his pass rushing is not – his. he's not He's not an effective pass rusher to me, Arib. Uh, that's just my mm-hmm. opinion. Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of when – when he does pass rush, you, you, you talk about Jason Owe with no sacks. This dude does not get any sacks uh, off the uh, – one uh, off the uh, pass rushing. So – um, so that, I think that's probably an issue that I have with him. Uh, strength is an issue that mm-hmm. I have shutting off blocks is an issue. I like his arm length though. But I think, I think his motor, I talked about motor with Rousseau. Mm-hmm. His motor is just as good, man. I, I love his motor. I agree. Uh, so I think, uh, that's, that's definitely going up for him. And I think his, his, uh, his quickness is, is through the roof. Um, and, uh, that you can't match his speed of direct and change of direction. And uh, that's why he's definitely going to be a day two, day one, day two pick. Yeah, uh, I agree with everything you said there. I'm just going to hit on one sleeper, uh, mostly because I have him at, in my top ten. You don't. Patrick Jones, the second the edge rusher out of Pittsburgh. Uh, he is, again, very raw mall. But what I liked about him, his first step get off was ridiculous. I think I said he looks like a freight train coming off the edge because he does. And when he does come off the edge, either he's going to hit you and he's going to transition to power and it's going to be great, or he's going to like fall over and his balance is terrible. Uh, but I think you, he has that, he has an elite get off. So I think he's, he was definitely worth putting in my top 10, but yeah, we can move on to our interior defensive lineman. If you are ready for that, um, starting off with my number one guy and you have him number one too. Uh, it's, I think it's more of a 1A, 1B situation between these top two guys. Levi and Wizzarike, the, uh, the defensive tackle out of Washington. And then we both have him at one. And then we have Barmore, Christian Barmore, uh, the defensive tackle out of Alabama at two. What I liked about uh, Levi and Wizzarike, first of all, his first step is really good. His power is really good. I think he gives you really nice athletic traits to translate to a higher level of play. Um, yeah, I really liked him. I, I just liked all his his athleticism, his first step get off, his power. He knew how to use his hands because he's got long arms. He knew how to use them effectively to pass rush. Um, yeah, I, I think I liked all of that. I think what I didn't like, I think his pad level was inconsistent. And so that sort of held him back in his pass rushing 
sort of skills, his bull rush and all that. And also, I think he's someone who needs to develop more of an, a, a pass rushing plan as well. But I also got to say, like, did he not have a plan because he was getting double teamed every single snap? Because like I said, with Joe Tryon, Levi and Muzurike, he was one of three guys on the line. Usually you want to have four or five. They only had three. He was double teamed often. And they, on top of that, they played him at nose tackle as a six foot three, 295 pound guy. Usually you want your defensive tackles, like one text nose tackles to be, you know, like 320. He's way lighter than that. And even at that lightweight, he was still mulling these guys in the Pac-12. So I liked Levi and Wizurike out of um, Washington. Uh, and just talking about Christian Barmore out of Alabama, he was inconsistent. Um, his high pad level was there and his leverage was definitely questionable. But when he put it all together, he was the best defensive player on Alabama's championship level defense. First step was ridiculous. His power was ridiculous. He had all the, all the skills, I think, Amal, to be a really phenomenal player. It's just that he was inconsistent and he only put it together like a couple games, I think, in his senior year or 2020. But yeah, I like his hand usage as well. I, I like both these guys, Barmore and Levi. I just think Levi... I think might have a higher ceiling and was a bit more consistent seeing that he was playing. He was getting double teamed every single time and Barmore, he was not getting double teamed and Barmore really only played like 20 snaps a game because you know, Bama, they have a great defensive line. I think Levi gives you more bang for your buck. Yeah. So for me, uh, Levi and Wuzurike was, uh, so we both had the same, obviously, uh, same obviously one and one and two and you also brought up that one a and one b i think it is quite close i do also find it hilarious that um there are rumors the eagles are interested at picking christian barmore at 12 <sighs> you didn't uh, have to hurt me like that today, um so that 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 is quite funny but christian barmore is nice i mean i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say he's not nice uh but i already said before this isn't necessarily the best uh defensive uh interior defensive lineman class uh so um, I'll start with Levi and Muzurike. I mean, Le- Levi, I think the only weakness that I have with him, he's, he's a bit undersized. Uh, and I think, um, yeah, that's honestly it. Uh, he, he maintains good gap integrity. Uh, but I, sometimes he loses track of the ball, I guess. I guess that could be another weakness. But I, I think overall, he, he has great quickness. Um, gets out of the stands quickly. Uh and then he has great agility, and then uh, his hands are good. Leverage is there. Uh, so overall, that's why Levi's our number one guy. And I think the, the only, yeah, like I said, if he, if, he was, if he was obviously bigger and tall, if he was obviously like a taller dude, I guess that could help. But, um, but I think he, he, still be, he can still hold up against uh, these offensive linemen in the NFL level. Uh, and then Christian Barmore. Uh, out of Alabama, he's got great size, and for many people, this is their consensus number one guy. So um, it's a one A one B for me. Yeah, like, yeah. So exactly. Yeah. So I think my weaknesses with him is that he doesn't have any. He doesn't have like any like explosiveness or burst. That dude is just big dude, three ten six five, and he can he can uh, with that size though he could play the three four or the four three. He can play the three-four defensive end or the four-three defensive tackle. So um, he can, he's got multiple. He's got different techniques that he can play along the line, which is a plus. Um, and uh, his pass rushing is uh, is refined. So I, I can definitely say that his hands are good. Uh, 
he has good length. And I, like I said, the weaknesses with him is he's not very explosive, uh, not very fast, I guess you can say. He's not flexible. Uh, but, yeah, so I think those are the those are the only things that are holding Barmore back. And, uh, yeah, we can move on. Yeah, and number three, our consensus number three, you have him at three, I have him at four. Davion Nixon, um, the defensive pass rusher from, I believe, is it Iowa or is it, it's Iowa? Yeah, Iowa. Um Davion Nixon, six foot three, three hundred five pounds. He's definitely more of your, I guess, closer to more of a standard nose tackle. Definitely a three tech, one tech type of guy. Um, his his get off was also really phenomenal. Ma. I like that. His first step athleticism was there, uh, and I think you hit on it. You have him higher than I do. Uh, he is for sure a higher ceiling. He might be the highest ceiling player out of these guys. I just think he he has to refine his tools. He has athleticism. He has the quickness. He has the get off. He also has some power. I just think he struggles when it comes to disengaging. And I think that's something that's extremely, I think that's, I don't want, I don't want to say it's a red flag, but it's probably like an orange flag. You want to see your guys disengage. That's my my major red flag. And he just couldn't, he just couldn't do it at a high enough level for me. And again, all these guys pad level is going to be a concern for all of them because they get up too high and they have no leverage when it comes to their power. And uh, he's no different. I just think, again, that's something you can coach into him. But I, I don't know if you necessarily coach his uh, him disengaging. He just seemed to not disengage the way you wanted him to off yeah. of these blocks. Agreed, agreed. Yeah. He does a great job of disrupting gaps, though. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, so he, he does that. But I think um, he struggles to break through, uh, break free off of blocks. I think that's uh, I think that's the big problem with him. He does disrupt gaps, like I said before. But um, and I think his thing with with my thing with him is uh, he's got he's he's for his size of being three thirteen six three, he's extremely quick. Gets off the line pretty quickly. Uh, his agility is there. Um. His arms are huge, Arib. It's it's huge. It's like it's massive. So I mean, I think that's a great positive that's there for him. But yeah, um, like you said, I think that that's probably the biggest biggest weakness is there. His overall awareness. I think we could just say that his awareness, that category of awareness, needs to be improved. And uh, if he can improve on that, then he can be a pretty solid defense tackle in this uh, in this league. Yeah, um, going on to number four, Marvin Wilson, the defensive tackle out of Florida State. I have him at three. You have him at seven, I believe. Marvin Williams is a Vince, Vince Wilfork type of player. Wilson, Wilson, Wilson. You said Williams. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Marvin Wilson. Yeah, Marvin Wilson, my bad. I'm looking at Milton Williams' name as well. That's my bad. Marvin Wilson, um, he is a big guy, six foot three, 320. He's definitely not the heaviest guy in this class because Deontay Brown is like borderline obese, but he's definitely probably one of the higher uh, weighted defensive tackles in this year's class. Marvin Wilson, like I said, Vince Wilfork, he is your standard nose tackle, one tech. He can't play some three tech. He's all about power and he does it really well. High effort type of guy. I really liked him. I think if you need someone to clog up the lanes and be a pocket pusher, that's what he is. He pushes the pocket at a really high level, similar to like, like a Fletcher Cox, like Fletcher Cox. He's not necessarily a nose tackle. He's definitely more of a three tech, but Fletcher Cox, he doesn't get a lot of sacks, but his impact on the game is always there. And he's been like a top three, top two defensive tackle for like his entire career because 
He's just a pocket pusher and he's always getting double teamed and he's always making room for opportunities for his teammates. And I see, uh, I see Marvin Wilson sort of in that role as well. I think he's going to be a really bruising space eating defensive tackle. And I think he's going to be a, a really high level impact player in the NFL. And that's what I like about Marvin Wilson. He's just like your standard nose tackle who's going to be really good at his job. Yeah. So for me, uh, Marvin Wilson didn't make my top five. And I think the major thing with him, the reason that he didn't make my top five was um, he doesn't have enough moves in his arsenal from what I saw. He, he was bull rushing a lot, but I think uh, he needs to add more pass rushing moves uh, from what I've seen in the incident inside uh, the interior defensive lineman position. Uh, I think also um, his he's not the quickest getting out of the snap. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which is fair because he's 320 pounds. Yeah, yeah. So I think that, of course, that's course that's expected um but yeah he can he could end up being a pretty big dude uh he if he he could also cut weight i could also see him i looked at his 2019 film reeb and he looked lighter yeah he was way heavier in 2020 his 2019 film is better and his 2019 because he was lighter he he moved better he was way more productive as well uh 2020 also had the leg injury though too so uh he came off the leg injury i should say uh so I, I guess that was uh, that's why 2020 didn't look the best. But the strength with him is, yeah, he, he has a big motor, man. He he he's, he he's, he doesn't give up on plays. Uh, and I think, uh, yeah, he's just a powerful dude. You can obviously see that six four, like what three three ten three twenty. You said uh, that dude is a, he he's a monster. So um, he pushes he pushes the pocket as a pass rusher, pretty solid but with the bull rush. So um, yeah, uh, we can move on from Yep. That. Number five, Tommy Togiai, the defensive tackle from Ohio state university standing at six foot one, two ninety six. So he's a shorter guy, but he has the weight and we talked about pocket pushes them all. He's probably the second or third. He's probably the second closest thing you can get to a Marvin will Marvin Wilson in this class. Um, this guy, if you watch him, his Ohio state film, you'll be watching all these guys and you just you don't really pay attention to Tommy Togiai, but you're always in the back of your mind. You're like, damn, who is this guy? He's always like in the he's always in the backfield. He's always on his the other like the opponent, the offensive side of the line of scrimmage. He's always pushing the pocket. Very strong, powerful type of guy. High effort as well. Similar to a Marvin Wilson. My problem was I just think Marvin Wilson for his role did a way better job of being that one tech nose tackle type of guy. Tommy Togiai, I have him at eight. I, I think he he's a lighter guy and I think he just doesn't have enough disengagement for someone that's that light if that makes sense his hand usage was just not there um, when it came to disengaging once he gets caught he is very much snared in in the offensive lineman's grip but yeah I think I like him overall I think he has pretty good enough pretty good burst for a bigger guy I just think I think he's just not my cup of tea when it comes to a defensive tackle that being said, I think he's going to go like round three and he's going to be a really like impactful player. So yeah, I, I'm fine with Tommy Togia here. I, I like yeah. Him. So, so my, my, the reason that I had him high was um, his, uh, his game against Penn state. Um, I saw him play. He had three sacks against Penn state, which I guess really stood out to me. Uh, and that's the game I, I saw the most out of Tommy Togia. And I actually noted his name down uh, from the, for that reason. Uh, yeah, he's a sturdy defender. Uh, 
I mean, he's got he's got great lateral lateral mobility. Um, his, but I think the weakness that I see with him, obviously, his ability in the passing game, uh, his pass defense, his, his pass rushing is not the best. Uh, so I guess that's my that's that that's a that's a quite that's a big concern actually. So I guess that's my uh, only weakness that I have with him, and also the fact that he has only had one year as a true uh, as a true starter. So um, there's not a lot of film to really dissect on him. So um, we can move on though. Yeah, so that was our number five guy, I believe. So there's two guys I want to talk about, and then I think you can also talk about Milton Williams because you have him at four. I haven't watched him, so I'm not going to give my opinion on him. But my number five guy is actually Osa Odigazua, the the defensive tackle from UCLA. I have him as like a round two to three prospect, a six foot two, 282. He's a shorter guy with a a great explosive burst and he knows how to use his leverage really well. So I think he's going to be a, a really impactful player. Yeah. He's a bit smaller, so you can get maybe a, a occasionally pushed around more than you'd like. And I don't, by no means, I think he's going to be like a star defensive tackle, but I think as just as a pure, you know what you're getting, you're getting someone who's a high effort pass rusher. Who's going to push the pocket and he's going to finish sacks because he's smaller and he's just has way more explosiveness to finish those sacks and plays. I really liked Osa Adegazua, and he is my number five guy. And then our consensus number six Amal is Alan McNeil out of, I think he's NC State. I want to say you can correct me on that. Six foot two, 320. Um, and he, I have, he's again another nose tackle type of guy. And that's why I have him below Marvin Wilson and above Tommy Togi. Uh, I just, I think from that, from those heavier guys, he is someone who, you can't move like he's sort of, he's just sort of just there taking up two blocks, three blocks at all times. And he's definitely not a pass rusher at all. He can, he's not going to get you any sacks, but I think as a space eating defensive tackle, if you just want someone who who's not going to be able to move and he'll clog up these running lanes and he, he won't be a really a big impact in the passing game himself, but will open up opportunities for another guy. I think Alan McNeil is your guy. But yeah, um, if you want to talk about Milton Williams, and then we can move on from our sleepers and go on to our, I think, linebackers. Yeah. So for Milton Williams, for me, this dude reminds me of Reeb a lot of a of, of a Shaq Barrett. He went to a small school, of course, in Louisiana Tech. Um, so of course, I can obviously say that. Um, but I think the dude's pursuit, Reeb, is just it's like unrelentless, man. Uh, he can keep. He just like he never gives up on the play. He's got a high motor. Closes the gap on the run game incredibly well, uh, and then his he play, he can play defensive end or um he can play the he can play the four three or the three four so he uses that positional flexibility and then he eats up blockers really well. Um, he could honestly be a DT one if he went to a better school. So um, that's my my take with Milton Williams. So uh, Louisiana Tech is just the thing here. He doesn't have uh, he's not explosive. I guess that's I guess that's another problem with him. He's not really fast. But I mean, I mean that's not really surprising. This dude's two seventy eight. So, uh, but he could become he could become faster. And I think the that's that's uh, the only weakness I saw. Yeah, we can move on to our linebackers now. So consensus linebacker number one, Micah Parsons. I have him at number two. You have him at number one. What I like about Micah Parsons is this guy is definitely the most athletic linebacker in this year's class by a mile. He can run and he can cover space and he can do it really quick. 
Um, what I didn't like about him is I just think, see, this is Amal, this is where I want to talk about Gregor Rousseau, about like a high athletic guy with a high ceiling. The reason why I didn't knock Michael Parsons all that much for not being the best uh, best linebacker when it came to just you know knowing how to pay, play the position was because I think Michael Parsons has legitimate he has legitimate production. He had legitimate great games, which he produced on his own. And also I just think Micah Parsons, his, he's just so freakishly athletic where I, I don't think you can necessarily miss on him as a player. Cause I think no matter what, I think he's going to be a, uh, he's going to be a, a hit. I just think it's, I just think his athleticism is just that high. Like, yeah, maybe he can't play middle linebacker, but then guess what? Put him at like weak side linebacker. And I think he can play like, the outside linebacker role really well. If you wanted to rush the passer, I think he can do that pretty decently as well. He gives you versatility. I like Micah Parsons. I just don't like him as much as our number two guy, but I'll let you talk about Micah Parsons first. Yeah. So Micah Parsons for me, uh, of course I'm going to be biased because I'm a Penn state kid, but even entering into the season, he was the best defensive player uh, entering into this draft. He sat out and I think nothing has changed. I think he's still the best defensive player in this draft. He's explosive. Uh, uh, his versatility is there. Um, he's great at stopping the run on passing on the, when, when it's, uh, in the pass rush, he's very effective. He's pretty good in coverage as well. Uh, he can play zone very well. He can cover tight ends pretty well. Uh, great speed. Good. I mean, great, great burst, I should say. And he has pretty good speed as well. Uh, um, I, I, the weaknesses that I see with him, he's not. He, he, I think he a, overruns gaps a lot. That's what I saw on film where he just like, I think he had a general idea of where the play was going. Overrunning gaps is on play action plays. I saw that too. Yeah. yeah I think he, gaps, yeah. And this is why I like him, right? I think he has a general idea of where the ball is going. So he's not like completely clueless at it. I just think he needs to work on, you know, not because <laughs> he's so damn fast. He overruns gaps and overruns yeah, I, the play i think i think the other weakness that i have with him he's he's fat he has speed but he needs to improve on quickness i think that's uh that's definitely that can be said and i think getting off of blocks was also something that i'd like to see him do more and I, again i'm all this guy he was a defensive end in high school i think he's only really had one maybe two level uh, years at linebacker i think yeah. if he had played in 2020 i think you would have seen him putting more of it together and he would have been the, probably the consensus number one but I think there's just a little bit more worries for me. Uh, not necessarily worries. There's, I think, I think Jeremiah Wusakarma, who I have a number two, we have a number three. He's our consensus number two. I think he does, he gives you way more versatility and has less question marks about him. So Jeremiah Wusakarma, for me, he's a heat seeking missile mall that just needs to make, he needs to, he needs to make sure he explodes on contact every single time. I think that's the way I would put it because he knows where the ball is going at all times. And he is the, uh, I think he's definitely faster than Micah Parsons way more explosive, not way more explosive, but he's the most explosive linebacker in this class. And you'd expect it. Cause he's like six foot one. He's like, I think he has like 20 or 30 pounds lighter than Micah Parsons. And he's a bullet. Like I said, heat seeking missile. He just needs to work on wrapping up a little bit more consistently but every time you see him on wall, big games, he's making big plays, fumbles, recoveries for touchdowns, picks, 
uh, he's, he can do everything. And he is also an Isaiah Simmons type of player flashing back to last year's draft class where Isaiah Simmons played safety and he played edge rusher. I don't think Jeremiah Wissakarmo can play edge rusher, but I think if you need him to play defensive back, he can play defensive back too. And I think he can do all that at a really high level. So I think his versatility is what I'd put him higher than Micah Parsons. But yeah, my only flaw with him is I think he just needs to be more consistent tackling. But otherwise, he is a heat-seeking missile that just needs to make sure he hits his target more effectively. Yeah, so you hit on missing tackles. I think uh, improving on tackling, I think that's my major weakness that I have for him. And I think the red flag, I think not a red flag, but he can't control it. The problem with him is uh, I think he's going to be the smallest linebacker in the NFL. He's 6'1", 215, or that's kind of worrisome. I'm not going to lie. Uh, he needs to add weight to become effective. Um, and he I don't know do if that. he does, though. He's a big enough hitter he, to where it doesn't matter, I think, personally. He, no, because here's the thing. At the, at the rate he's playing at a reap, he could, he could probably might up and actually end up being a better safety than even a linebacker because he's not he, – he needs to add – he needs to become effective – by adding more weight because his tag, like you said, tackling is, is an inconsistent. He allows a lot of broken tackles. I saw that a bunch in film. Um, and I think his play recognition is good, but yeah, it, it's just th- the tackling is a major issue and his size, he's six, one, he's six, one, two, 15. Uh, and, and I think that that's a, uh, you can't have that unless he gains more weight. Otherwise he's great. He's great at pass coverage. Um, so he can definitely become a great, a very solid safety um, if, if they want him to do that. So I guess that could also be a strength that he can also line up at safety, uh, kind of like a Jabril Peppers. But uh, yeah, awareness is like top notch, Arib. I think his awareness is probably, even out of including any player in this class, his awareness might be the number one I've ever seen in this class. Uh, he reads he reads gaps very well. Um Great pursuit, great. Uh, he has a uh, he has good recognition as well. So, um, yeah. That and my only thing, yeah. He needs to put up, put on weight. I think, and uh, if he wants to play linebacker in the on the next level, I can maybe see that as a concern. The one thing I would say is we didn't talk about him sort of not being able to get off blocks like we did with Micah Parsons because I think he's just so much quicker than Micah Parsons where the lineman's coming, but he's already gone. So I I, I don't think I, – I can understand the putting on the weight thing for him making making him more consistent of a tackler, but I don't think he needs it to play linebacker as a high level or at least safety. I think he's really good at that regard and that at that skill. Um, our consensus number three linebacker, Jameen Davis out of Kentucky. I have him at four. You have him at three. What I liked about Jameen Davis is similar to Micah Parsons, though not as fast. I think he's definitely an athlete who has a pretty good idea on how to play linebacker. Um, his coverage is pretty nice. He, again, he's like two, he's six foot like five, like 245. Like he's a big guy playing linebacker and he runs really well, knows how to use his athleticism to get in these rushing lanes. I liked a Jimmy Davis. Um, I just didn't like him more than uh, Zayvon Collins, who was our consensus number four. But yeah, Jimmy Davis, he's long, good enough speed. But again, the same problems with Micah Parsons was just overrunning gaps and getting through traffic and getting off blocks. 
And I think that's just something he can work on and get better at, at the next level. But overall, I like Jameen Davis. Uh, I, I like what you get from him as a player. He's just, I think he's a discount Micah Parsons, but I think he probably has a better knowledge of the game than Micah Parsons, if that makes sense. No, yeah, definitely. He definitely has a better knowledge of the game. Uh, he is still limited, though, limited with experience. Uh, I think uh, the, I'm going to obviously start with the weaknesses because I have him higher. Uh, he has uh, he he doesn't he doesn't have a lot of coverage reps either. Uh, I don't know necessarily if he's excellent per se in cover. He has made a couple great games, uh, uh, several key plays that he did make. Um, but I think he's got to improve on zone coverage. I believe. I think that's 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 a thing that I have. And you talked about Michael Parsons shedding blocks as an issue. I think Jameen Davis has that issue too. Um, so I think that could definitely become better. But my thing with Jameen Davis Reeb is that he his his uh, he's got tremendous size. Reeb six four two thirty four. Um, he's got long arms. He's got he's I think he's he has very good body control and quickness uh his speed is there uh he has great athleticism he's, he unlike uh unlike jok is a great tackler and he can finish plays off so um and he can track balls uh very well um so his awareness even though it's not at the level of jok it's still there uh but yeah i guess fundamentally he needs to work on he needs to have gained more experience i guess at that linebacker position uh, but he doesn't miss tackles, Arib. That's for damn sure. I would agree with that 100%. Now moving on to Zaven Collins, Collins, our number four linebacker. This guy somehow measured in at 270 at like, I think the combine or whatever it was, the combine weigh-ins, uh, which happened over the weekend. I think it was yesterday or two days ago. Linebacker out of Tulsa, six foot five, 270 pounds. And he doesn't even play like a small guy, which is ridiculous because he runs extremely fast. Like, like we talk about LeBron being a freak athlete, you know, six foot eight, 280, he runs extremely fast. I put Zayvon Collins almost in that same boat of like the 0.0001% athletes. Zayvon Collins, man, he should not be running as fast as he does. And I also think he's, He's not the best pass coverage linebacker because I think Jeremiah Wissakurma is better. And I think Jabril Cox out of LSU, who we might end up talking about, I think he's our consensus number six. He's a better pass coverage player. But I think comparing him to Micah Parsons and Jameen Davids, Zayvon Collins is miles better. He knows how to read the quarterback's eyes. He knows how to pick off the ball, get in these passing lanes. And he plays smaller than someone who's 270 pounds on film. And I think... If he learns how to use his body, he can learn how to get off these blocks a little bit better. I really like him. Uh, I think his his speed and range for someone of that size is ridiculous. That being said, I don't necessarily know if he's a middle linebacker. He might end up being more of like an, a will linebacker or Sam playing these outside linebacker spots. But I loved Zayvon Collins out of Tulsa. And he's probably going to end up falling into the second round. And if he does, the Eagles better snag him up. I love him. Let's see if Howie Rosen's smart enough to do that. Uh, honestly, I think you've covered everything that I wanted to say about Zayvon Collins. Uh, speed and change of direction, I guess, is, a, is kind of a weakness that I saw with him. Uh, and I think uh, man coverage, he needs more experience, I should say, in the man coverage. Because uh, I, I, you know, I didn't see a lot of film on that. Uh, but yeah, he read he reads plays pretty well. Uh, he's great at the run defense. Uh, 
but yeah, I think I think uh, what you said was pretty good. We can move on. Yeah, and moving on to Nick Bolson. Nick Bolson, uh, he might just be the best linebacker in this draft when it comes to knowing how to play in linebacker, if that makes sense. He's just very smart, and his instincts are just always right. My only flaw with him was that um, Nick Bolson, uh, out of Mizzou, by the way, he's just a bit too slow. So, yeah, I, I think he's definitely someone who would play in more of like a north-south system versus like a sideline-to-sideline system. He 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 has enough speed to make those plays downhill. I just don't know if he has the range to be like a sideline-to-sideline linebacker. But Nick Bolton, other than his speed, I have no real flaws with him. I think he knows how to get off blocks, and he knows how to play linebacker at a really high level. Undersized is probably my only weakness with Nick Yeah, Bolton. fair enough. I think that that's that's another one that uh that I had to add with the speed. But yeah, otherwise uh yeah, I think yeah, I think he's he's a very good player as well. Great tackling abilities as well that I saw from Nick Bolton. Uh yeah, we can move on. Yeah, I'm just finishing off with some sleepers here. Um Jabril Cox, who I just mentioned cuz why not just talk about him cuz I already said his name. Um, Jabril Cox, he is a pass coverage linebacker and he has the athleticism to be a pretty high level player. I feel, I think he's six foot two, 240 pounds. So he's got some good enough size to, um, I just think he needs to work on being a better run coverage linebacker, but I think as a pure pass coverage linebacker, he is one of the best in this year's class. And then finishing off with my deep sleeper, I guess you could say, uh, he's my number seventh ranked guy. Cameron McGrone out of Michigan, Amal. I have him as a third-round player. He has all the tools uh, to be a really great run-stopping linebacker. I think he has the mobility to be good at pass catching, a pass coverage rather, but he just needs to work on making that more consistent. But Cameron McGrone, his only knock for me is injury, really. If he wasn't, I think he tore his ACL. If he had hadn't torn his ACL, I think he would have been a way higher on my board because i think he, he's up there with nick bolton it's just that he knows the game he's just he's just a faster nick bolton so i really liked him out of michigan but yeah that is it for linebackers unless you've got someone else you want to talk about um no i think uh i think you're good um yeah i think you're good we can move on yeah Okay, starting off with corners then patrick certain arkansas is one he you have him one i have him at two what I like about Patrick Sertain is he has that veteran aura around him. He played in the SEC. He's played a ton of really good guys. And like I think his you can definitely tell is that his dad has sort of coached him up, former Patrick Sertain. I think he played for Miami, I want to say. Patrick Sertain, the second though, six foot two, has ideal length and size. My only knock on him was that when he wasn't using his hands at the line. I think he wasn't the best coverage corner, but I still think he's definitely worth being a first round pick. So I don't think it's that big of a hole. I just like JC Horn out of South Carolina more, but yeah, Patrick, Patrick Sertain. I think if you need someone to be an impact player, you know what you're getting Patrick, Patrick Sertain. I think his long speed was also kind of a question, but when he presses at the line, I'm all, when he plays that pure man on man coverage corner, he can do all that. And he has, again, he has all the ideal length, to make up for some of the speed that he is missing for. I, I like him. Yeah. So Patrick Sertain, I expect him to be a top 10 pick in this draft, probably at 10 yep, uh, Dallas, Dallas. Uh, don't be stupid here. Uh, he's tall, long rangey Reeb, This reminds me a lot of uh, this is why I even think it's a perfect fit for Dallas. Do you remember Byron Jones? 
a guy that hasn't been has been pretty irrelevant with yeah. the Dolphins, but Byron Jones, he reminds me a lot of Byron Jones, man. He's tall, long, rangy. He's got he's got a he can play. He has, he has great technique in the press coverage. Um, very quick to anticipate in zone coverage as well. Um, and I think the the biggest takeaway that I I, I have with him is his uh, his uh, instinctual skills and his ball skills. So. Um, yeah, I mean, the, like like you said, I think he he needs to improve. I think in uh, short area quickness. I think that like you like you said before, I think that's kind of a weakness that I saw in this game. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's gonna. I think it's gonna be a challenge to it's it's gonna be a challenge for uh, receivers to get through Patrick Sertain in the NFL level. Um, for me, he would have been my uh, cornerback too, but or my cornerback one had a setback an injury so that's why uh he has now risen from number two to number one for me fair enough corner number two jc horn out of south carolina i just think he's the best coverage corner in this year's class and maybe it's maybe i'm just using like an anecdote but i just have an image of kyle pitts mossing patrick Sertain and when JC Horn covered uh, covered Kyle Pitts, that just didn't happen. So maybe it's just like that mental image in my head. Of course, which, of course, yeah. JC Horn, dude. That his being, that being said, Kyle Pitts is probably he's a monster. monster. Yeah, fair so, and then and then when you obviously look at Patrick Zertain, Patrick Zertain also like, I mean, it's it is definitely close. JC Horn, I think our top three guys, I think they're all relatively close to each other. So. Yeah, J.C. Horn, my only knock on him, I think he's a great man coverage corner, great press corner, great in the zone. He has some, I, he's probably had the best length in this class to make these pass breakups. Again, he's just a bit too physical for me. And sometimes that might get called on a flag, but I think you can teach him to be like, you know what, J.C. Horn, maybe you just don't grab as often. Like, I think it's that simple and you can fix him and he can be like a phenomenal player. His, I really liked him. His ball skills, I guess, are a weakness. He only had two picks uh, throughout his entire yeah, career. Yeah, but I think he makes up for it right. in PBUs. But so. Exactly, exactly. That's my thing, right? That, that's the only weakness. I He's can, a I Richard Sherman type of corner for uh, me. I think um, aggressiveness is there, of course. I love aggressive corners. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't see any – I don't see, honestly, that many weaknesses in this game. Uh, yeah, he's, he's a lock – uh, he has potential to also be the best corner in the NFL. Um, he he's he's that good. Um, I believe you even has him have him as a top ten player in this class, Reeb. Uh, and I, I wouldn't doubt that he's even though I have him at corner three. I think uh, he he's a he's a very solid cornerback. Yeah, agree with you on that. And then number three, our consensus. You have him at number two. I have him at number four. Caleb Farley out of Virginia Tech. This guy, I think he comps more to Byron Jones than Patrick Sertain does, just because I think he has the mobility. That's true, too. It's close. He, it's close with him. Yeah. He has the athleticism for me. I loved um, Caleb Farley. He has the ideal length you want in a corner. He has the speed, the flexibility in his hips, the fluidness. He has all of that. What I didn't like is I just think he was a bit too over aggressive and he got beat by double moves more than I'd like. So as a pure coverage corner, uh, that's why I have him at four versus uh, our con- spoiler. Kelvin Joseph is our consensus number four. I think Kelvin Joseph is just as a pure, you know what you're getting. And I think Kelvin Joseph is just a more consistent pass coverage player. 
versus Caleb Farley. He also has an injury, like a back injury, which may or may not be serious. Who knows? But I think his over-aggressiveness was something that sort of knocked him down a spot for me. Yeah, so my only thing holding him back was the back surgery thing. Uh, otherwise, his elite, he, he has elite closing speed downfield. Elite. Oh, yeah, for yeah, sure. His it, recovery it, speed is His ridiculous. recovery speed is just absolutely nuts. Uh, also, this dude was a clamp, bro. I think he, his on the on the average passer rating of uh, quarterbacks that face held Parley, 27. Um, it's, it's insane how, how, uh, how much of a clamp this dude is. Um, but yeah, the only thing that's concerning to me is the back surgery. Um, otherwise Caleb Farley would be my cornerback one. Uh, we can move on. Yep. Kelvin Joseph. I think he's a phenomenal coverage corner. He plays more. I don't think he plays a lot of press necessarily, but he just, you want him to play man, you want him to play zone, he'll do it and he'll do it phenomenally. He covered, uh, he was probably the best player in all of college last season to cover Devontae Smith. Yeah, I was going to mention him. the game against Alabama. Yeah, he yeah, covered I mean, Devontae Smith very got well. Got a pick on him. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love it. I think my only flaw with him was his, his tackling, but uh, I mean, what do you expect? He's 190 pounds. He's exactly. not going to be the best yeah. tackle. You're Absolutely. drafting him to cover players. And I think if you want to erase, the, uh, the, the wide receiver one or the weapon number one on the opponent's team, he can do that at a really high level, which is why I have him at, at three. Yeah, I have him at three. Yeah, that's fair. I I, I mean, I don't have uh, really too much to add on that. Uh, Calvin Joseph, uh, he, he, he had his game against Alabama is what really stood out to me, and that's why um, I'm pretty high on him. Uh, so, yeah, we can move on. Okay, Greg Newsom is our consensus number five out of I think what is he Northwestern? Yeah, six foot one, one ninety. Uh, you know, comparing him to Calvin Joseph, Joseph, his tackling is definitely way better. Way so, better. Um, way better. Um, he has the fluidity. He has the hips. Again, just if you want someone to be a good coverage corner, I think you can do that at a high enough level. Like nothing much more you can say. I think he has all the tools in the left. Weaknesses against the player. run. It's crazy against the runs. I guess that 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 weakness is there, uh, where he holds on the blocks for a bit too long. But I think uh, his awareness is there. He's st- in my opinion, he could he he could be, end up being a very he could be, end up being at the top corner in this class. Uh, his fluidity is, is is what really stood out to me, Arib, like you said. Yeah, his uh, hips. Yeah, so um, I just think he's a discount yeah. version of Gre- of Kelvin Joseph as a pass coverage player. So a that's why coverage, I think. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, yeah that's, I, I, that's why I put him right. Uh, I put him. I have him at six. You have him at four. So, um, yeah. number six, Asante Samuel Jr. Uh, out of Florida State. So maybe I'm just higher on Florida State players because I've already had two, but. Dude, Asante Samuel, for me, I'm just getting vibes of Jerry Alexander. Uh, people say he might not be able to play the outside because he's only five foot ten. That's you my only what? weakness. That, you well. know what, man? He plays the ball at a great level. His fluidity, his hips, his pass coverage is there, Amal. I just think I think his pass coverage is just so good to where I think he's always in position. So yeah, maybe occasionally, you know what? He'll get mossed by like a Kyle Pitts because Kyle Pitts has like six inches of height on him. But you know what? Just don't line him up against Kyle Pitts. You have that option, I feel like. Like line him up against, you know what? Just line him against Odell Beckham's, Jarvis Landry's. Wide receiver ones who aren't that tall. Because if you think that's like a flaw for him, 
Maybe it he's is a five flop ten. Form. He's five yeah. ten. Five ten, one hundred eighty four pounds. Jai Alexander is arms six, five, are small. 11. His arms are thirty inch arms. Yeah, but Jair Ale- The thing is with him. Uh, my my thing with him is, uh, yeah, his size is just too. Is, is that's my thing. Five ten, five eleven. At the very inch. least, Amal, I think he's going to be an elite slot coverage corner. At okay, the that's, best, that's You can get fair. a you can get a Jair Alexander who's one of the best outside corners in the league. Okay. I, I, I'm just higher on him than other people, but it is what it is. No, but yeah, I think the only thing that's there for me, yeah, the, the size, the size scares me. Jair Alexander. I mean, you can you can always bring up guys like Jair Alexander, but Jair, there's a reason why Jair Alexander is the only guy under six foot that's actually really good. And Denzel me. Ward too. And Denzel sure. Ward, but yeah, Denzel Ward is a completely different animal when he was in college compared. I mean, yeah, come on. So, uh, that Fair that that's that's my thing. Yeah, so we can move on. Okay, Elijah Molden, cornerback out of Washington, five Could also 10, play safety. Could also play safety. He's definitely some sort of nickel safety hybrid. He played a lot of safety, in my opinion, from what I saw him play. Yeah, he has the instincts. He has good enough instincts as a safety. So if you just want to lift him as a DB, put him as a DB, play let him play like strong safety. You can do that at a good level. He has he's an excellent slot cornerback with that versatility to play safety. Good enough speed. Uh, good, great coverage. Um. Yeah, and he has he has some tenacity. I think I like his tenacity, and I think he, as a tackle tackler, he's pretty decent. Uh, but yeah, he five foot ten. He is the slot corner that you want Asante Samuel to be. I, I think Elijah Molden. We have him back to back. I have him at eight. You have him at eight as well. So I, I like Elijah Molden. Yeah, uh, I think you've covered everything that I wanted to say. Uh, he is quite physical. Uh, I, I've seen him. Yeah, I, I think that that's quite of a he, he he tends to grab people a lot i saw in film so I, I saw that as a potential weakness um also he he doesn't have the best speed either uh i don't know if you could see that also in film he got burned a lot I think he by was fair, like i think he was fine but I, I could understand it a little bit yeah, yeah yeah um and i think uh yeah his uh He's not, his hips are, I think he has pretty tight hips. So I guess that's, that's also a change of direction is not really the best in my opinion, but yeah, this strengths though, Arib, um, he's a very versatile defender. Uh, you can, like I said, he can play the slot or a safety. Um, and I think he's probably best at like the nickel, uh, because mm-hmm. of his height and length, uh, awareness, uh, his awareness, I think, is probably the best out of. I, I'm, he's up there for the best awareness uh, in this draft class as a corner. Uh, yeah, um, physicality is there, but uh, sometimes, yeah, holding problems are there for them. Uh, tackler, you already talked about that he's a good tackler, but yeah, um, Elijah Molden, very good corner. We can move on. Yeah, and we've somehow had three three quote-unquote slot corners. I mean, I don't think Asante Samuel is a slot corner, but he's the closest that you'll get. We've had Asante Samuel at six, Elijah Molden at seven, and then you have, or we both have Aaron Robinson at eight. You have him at, uh, at six on your your list. I have him at 11. I know what you're going to say about Aaron Rod- Robinson. You're going to say he's a great coverage corner and he has exactly. the versatility to play yep. outside and yep. inside. Yep. He's yep. six foot, 190. Yep, a great tackler. Uh, yep, I just think he's athletically limited, and I think his speed and his top end speed and his burst. Agreed. He just, I, I don't know if he true. necessarily has that. 
So that's why I have him at 11. I think he's a, I think he's a, a decent player. I'd take him in the round three, early round three. I'd be fine with him there. I just think he's athletically handicapped. So at that that's point, cool. I'd rather just go with the, the his athleticism the isn't his athleticism isn't uh, on par with uh, some of these guys that are definitely uh, that we've mentioned above him. So yeah, that's fair. We can move on. That's fair. Yeah, at the range that I'd like to take him. I would have, I would, I would prefer a Tyson Campbell actually, who was our consensus number nine. Great segue. I know uh, Tyson Campbell number. He's my consensus number 10. He's your nine <sighs> from Georgia, six foot two. He is extremely skinny and light and he's going to get bullied around a lot. I think overall though, as a corner, his only flaw for me was just getting his head around and making sure he doesn't get burnt on these plays. I, th- I remember one play, especially where Seth Williams, the, the corn, the wide receiver out of Auburn, rather, he just completely mossed this guy. Cause Tyson Campbell just didn't get his head around. I think if he, he's a raw player who has great athletics traits, he just needs to work on getting his head around more. And I think that's a huge flaw in his game, which is why I have him at nine. And I also think he's just a bit too raw for me, especially with his hands uh, and he is too light, but Overall, I like Tyson Campbell, and that's why I have him at number ten. Yeah, Tyson Campbell. Uh, uh, he was a, he was a pretty good corner man. I think I believe out of high school, he was the second best, uh, second ranked uh, cornerback in the nation. Uh, five, uh, yeah, he, he he's been he he's been pretty good, man. I think throughout college, the the weaknesses that I saw though um, in his game, I thought he was like. I don't, I don't know how to say this, but like he, he was like, he shouldn't be based on, on the, I think, oh, damn, I don't know how to say this. Um, He only has one interception. So I think that, that obviously doesn't compare well, but obviously like guys like um, what's his face. Like we already have guys that are above him that don't necessarily have a lot of interceptions like JC Horn, but I think, there's a lack of production there when I saw uh, Tyson when I saw Tyson Campbell play, and I think he he uses his speed well, but he lacks the ball skills to impact plays. So um, yeah. mm-hmm. we talked about ball skills with J.C. Horn, but I think it's much worse. I think when it comes to Tyson Campbell. So, if, but I mean, obviously that's stuff you can improve upon. Uh, but I think awareness is also another uh, thing I saw with him. Uh, I looked at his game against Alabama, and my God, of course he got he got torched. He got torched. I <laughs> got destroyed, bro. He got he got, he got his ass handed. He got to him. bullied he got by whooped. someone who was like thirty pounds lighter than him. Yeah, so. I, I mean he, he. That's why I mean I'm not gonna say it, it's Devonte Smith, but he he couldn't stick Devon. He he could stick to Devonte second um, until the last second. <laughs> And then that's all that mattered. It's all she wrote after that. You, I mean, most of these corners, to be fair, probably can, but it's just like that last seconds at the end of the day, what matters most. And uh, yeah, Devonte Smith, he, oh my gosh, he torched. He became Devonte Smith's son. Yeah, it, it was, it was bad. It was bad. It was really bad. Uh, to be fair, Devonte Smith torched almost every corner. Other than, of course, Kelvin Joseph. So uh, even him, he, he didn't. I don't know if he necessarily torched, but yeah, we can move on. Yeah, our consensus number ten, Ifiatu Malafanu out of Syracuse, six foot three, two hundred twelve, 
for me, he's what can also uh, plays safety. He can also play safety. He's what Kevin King should have been. The the, the former. Uh, no, he is the current Green Bay corner because he got re-signed. Got you know no, his most notable play is getting burnt by Scotty Miller and essentially choking the Calling playoff him a game. Bum. Yes, we yeah. remember that pod. You could you went all you went you had a big rant on Kevin King. Man. Oh my gosh! Jeez. But if you had Melafonu, for me, he's just a better Kevin King. Like he's what Kevin King should be. He has he has the size, obviously six foot three, two hundred twelve. Has the length for his arm size, his speed, has the hip fluidity that Kevin Joseph, no, rather Kevin King could only dream of. Yeah, I, I love him as a player. What you're getting from him, what you want to get, is someone who's going to line up against these bigger players, and just erase them i think he can do that and i think he can also to some extent line up against smaller players though eventually if you're facing like i don't know like what's a smaller player like a 2-2 out well 2-2 out mo might just like be a bit too small for him you know like you would just like juke him because i think he, at some level i think his height is going to be a, a not the best trait for him i think his height's going to hold him back but i think against most nfl wide receivers i think he's going to be a good enough coverage corner where that shit, those smaller shifty guys aren't going to, you know, hurt him as much as they could. Yeah. So I think awareness was another weakness I saw in his game. Uh, and I think uh, also like his, his change in direction was, I think also an issue that I saw. Um, and on top of that, of course, injury concerns are there with him. But other than that, Melifonwu, he's got great size, great um, 6'3", 205. Uh, speed is there. His athleticism is pretty good. Uh, but I think – and his tackling is very good too. I think uh, he, 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 you can see that in film that uh, he, he tackles, uh, tackles players very good. At, um, I think he's got solid body control. Um, he jumps well. He uh, – his zone coverage he's very good as well he's got pretty solid range there but yeah like i said before awareness i think is an issue Mm -hmm. uh i think um injuries he missed time in both the both 2018 2019 seasons uh he did play all the games this past year but he he does have an injury history also his brother was an absolute bust obi melifonwu who was a second round pick who had who probably was the best athlete on that draft he probably had the best uh combine in that draft and he he's not like he's on a future contract with the niners but he he played the same same position he played safety i believe and he did not turn out so obviously you don't want to judge players off of their brothers but it's just uh injury history is, is is quite a quite a problem that i have yeah at the end of the day for me if you malfano was just a big guy who can move and he can move pretty well so that's what i like from his game and now going to some sleepers and he's not a sleeper for me i have paulson adebo at number seven so he just missed our consensus top 10 because you uh, you haven't seen him yet i'm all just just a quick crash course on him i have him as a second round corner Six foot one, 198 pounds, so 200 pounds essentially. He is everything that Tyson Campbell should be that he isn't essentially. If you, you want Tyson Campbell, you want him to use his speed better. He, he uh, Paul Sandibo just does that. If you want him to cover better, Paul Sandibo does that. If you want him to have better hips, Paul Sandibo has that. If you want him to be able to recognize these routes better, Paul Sandibo has that. The only thing Paul Sandibo doesn't have is I think at some points, similar to uh similar to a Caleb Farley where he gets a bit too over aggressive and he'll bite on double moves. 
Only problem with Paulson Adebo is that he doesn't have the recovery speed of a Caleb Farley, so he can't make up for that. But otherwise, I really like him. Uh, he's a very good coverage corner. He just needs to be more consistent when it comes to biting on these double moves. And also, similar to Tyson Campbell, same flaw, just getting his head around and playing the ball. But Paulson Adebo, for me, is just a way better version of Tyson Campbell in every single aspect. Yeah, so uh, my sleeper was Tay Gowan, the other UCF corner. So I was high on both the UCF corners, uh, Aaron Robinson and now Tay Gowan. So for me, his first strength with me, he, he's got uh, – his his coverage skills are incredible. Uh, I saw him uh, cover the three. He he played cover three a lot, and he, he covered uh, – he covered very good receivers. Um very well so um he can he's uh he covers tight ends well as well um he's got great size great length uh and i think he he has play he has chances to make like he's very good at breakup plays Reeb. so um that's what i also saw at the game so like when he when the ball was in the air uh he'd um he recorded seven breakups two picks on just 50 targets uh that that's very good i'd say um the weaknesses of course that i saw in his game though he was quite slow coming off the route so uh off coming off the first route i and i also think uh i also think that he relies a little bit too much on the length so sometimes he overestimates where the ball is going so uh as a result sometimes he wouldn't end up getting anything and the dude would just catch it and go for the touchdown so sometimes uh he he relies on his length too much at the catch point uh but i think um he he's uh he's a very intriguing quarter cornerback uh he did play he played juco and then transferred over at um at ucf so not a lot not too much experience there playing at an elite level at a high level, I should say. So um, it's definitely a project player that you're looking at when you're seeing Tay Gowan, but he has potential as well to be uh, a pretty solid corner in this league. Yeah, I agree. With, I agreed with everything you said there. Now we can finally move on to our last position group and spoiler alert for all those people who didn't like who are watching this don't roast us, but me and Amal literally watched like, all the corners that the other person didn't watch essentially <laughs> like I've watched Ardarius Washington and I've watched Ty- uh, Tyree Gillespie. He hasn't, but he's watched Andre Cisco and Talahuana, Talawano, Hufanga and Javon Holland. So this consistent list, this consensus list is going to be a bit whack, but it is what it is. Um, so number one, I have Richie Grant at one. You have him at two. Richie Grant is the best free safety in this year's class. A great tackler has the range. For me, he's a round two player. I don't think any of these safeties are round one players. Richie Grant, though, if you want someone to give you range and the ball skills and the ability to bait these players, there's one play I saw where I was lucky enough to see an all 22. I found the footage on YouTube where he's completely baiting this quarterback. He has like he's on the right, he's on the right hash of all, and he bases this guy. He sees the guy about to throw it and he books it. He just runs across the entire field to the left sideline and gets an interception. And I just didn't see any other cornerbacks making that. So that's why I have him at number one. I just think he's the most elite free safety and the most elite safety in this year's class. Um, I, I sort of put him 
sort of like the likes of a, I compare him to a Grant Delpit from last year from uh, LSU, where I think he was definitely around two player as well. He had some great range. Uh, and I think, yeah, that's what you're getting. You're getting a really great rangy safety with ball skills. And I mean, that's all you need. You need picks. And I think Richie Grant can give you picks. Okay. So as a free safety, he'd be my number one, but uh, that my weakness is with him. Obviously he needs to do a better job of knowing his assignment. I so, so uh, he does like freelance a little bit. Yeah. His, so that, I think that, that, so there were times that he had blown coverages uh also he he's just he's not like as an as an over as a safety he's pretty average as like an athlete athletic on the athletic standpoint uh he has pretty tight hips so his change of direction isn't the best uh and his athleticism yeah i'm not i'm not necessarily a fan of the athleticism that he brings uh but he has great ball skills um you can see that uh on display uh so I mean, I, 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 I watched a lot of UCF film, clearly with my two corners that are there that I mentioned beforehand. And uh, once he gets to the catch, catch point, uh, he's, able to not just, he's able to pick off passes very well, uh, similar, to, uh, similar to Tay Gowan. Um, and I think uh, Richie Grant also uses – his awareness is, is very good. Uh, and zone coverage, he's very good as well. Uh, but yeah, like I said, the weaknesses, uh, his athleticism isn't there. And I think there were times that he has blown, he's gone through, but he's had blown coverages uh, because of basically, like you said, mental lapses in this game. Um, also, he's also quite old, Arib. He's played five years and uh, he's, mm-hmm. he's had five years of college, which is interesting. He's had four years at UCF and he also did uh, – I believe he also, um, what's it called? He, uh, I'm blanking out. He went to another school. Actually, no, he did just go five years at UCF. So I think that that's the other weakness. But yeah. Fair enough. I just think we're going to compare him to Trayvon Morick, who's your number one. He's my number three. He's our consensus number two. Trayvon Morick is just a way better athlete than. Richie Grant, and he's the best athlete in this year's safety class by probably a larger margin. He has the speed, the range, the instincts. Um, I just think when it came to being, I, I think you would say he's probably more of a strong safety than a, a free safety. And I think when he was lined up against some of these players, I remember maybe it was, it was the first couple of games I watched him, he was just getting like cooked. It's just all one-on-one coverage. And I just think he wasn't that best in that aspect. And I think he got a bit too aggressive. And I just think the way I look at Trayvon Morg, I think he's really good. I just don't think he's elite at anything versus where I think Richie Grant and uh, spoiler alert, or Darius Washington, the other TCU safety. I think both those guys are elite at being free safeties and picking off balls. I don't think Trayvon Morg is elite at anything. I think he's just a very well, well-rounded player. I think you could say he's a, ja- he's not a, uh, he's a, he's not a jack of all trades. Yeah. He's not, he's a jack of all trades, but a master of none rather. He's not, the best at anything. He's just a very good player. He's probably a top 50 player for me. I, I just, I'm not as high on him as other people are. So for me, uh, I actually have him as a top 20 player. Uh, and he's my number one safety, of course. Uh, he's got excellent versatility. Um, he's got great instincts as well. He's smooth. He's fluid. Uh, he, he has great anticipation as well, from what I've seen in film. Uh, 
improvements that can be made. Yeah, he he has a couple of uh, how does how do you say he he has a couple of big hit or misses. So I saw that uh, that he could uh, he could sometimes like try to wrap up too early, and then as a result, he uh, gives up on the play, and it becomes a big play and ends up being a touchdown. So I saw that. Um, on top of that, he's uh, his tackling, he needs, he needs to improve on tackling. I think that was a, another area of concern that I had for him. But mm-hmm. I think overlooking all of that, though, I think he, he has he's the most complete safety, and I think he's got everything that you're looking for at that position. And uh, yeah, that's why I'm I'm high on I'm higher on him than uh, higher on him. So we can uh, mm-hmm. that's why. He's and this safety class, I think Amal, you'd agree with me. This safety class is weaker than previous safety classes because I don't think there's a top ten player in this class from the safety position versus like Aminka Fitzpatrick from previous classes or Derwin that's James. Fair. Yeah, that's fair. yeah. So that's just, I just have a round two grade on all these guys pretty much essentially. Um, now our consensus number three would be our Darius Washington. You haven't watched him, but I'm just going to tell you about him. Our Darius Washington, he is a five foot eight corner. So a five foot eight safety rather 180 pounds. He's just Antoine Wilmfield all over again, essentially. This guy, he's similar to Nick Bolton, I guess you could say, or even like a Jeremiah Wissakaramoa. He just knows where the ball is going and he's just always there. And he, he's, picks off a ton of balls uh, again another free safety type and versus i think i have him higher than trayvon moore because i think he's elite at that skill he knows how to pick off passes and he knows how to be an elite free safety and i think he's also just a better tackler so an athlete when it comes to an athletic profile trayvon moore is definitely better but i think from production and what i saw on film i just liked our darius washington more in that regard um our consensus number four is javon holland you can talk all about him because i haven't i haven't seen him yeah, so Javon Holland for me, he's probably the more most unique defensive back because he can play anything. He can play nickel corner, he can play deep safety, he can play outside corner, he can do anything you want. And he's very good at zone coverage. So um his awareness, uh keeping an eye eye on the ball, he he's very strong at that. I think that's probably his strongest skill set. Um uh, but he has had nine, nine, nine interceptions in two years, which is pretty good, I'd say. Uh, and he's uh, he's very good at the catch point, and uh, that's why I have him as my number three safety. And the weaknesses, of course, that are there with him, he's not his speed isn't like that great. Um, so I, I guess that's a, that could be a potential red flag. Um, and I think uh, he does miss tackles. I guess that's another problem. So. Uh, he does a lot of broken tackles sometimes. Uh, but yeah, overall, Javon Holland uh, is, is a definitely a, a very versatile player that can play multiple different positions as a defensive back. So uh, yeah, that's why he's my number three uh, safety. Our number five guy would be Jamar Johnson out of Mizzou. Again, uh, or yeah, out of Indiana rather. Yeah, he's. Indiana. He's just another uh, free safety type of guy. You can you can see where I'm definitely leaning here. I just maybe it was just bad luck, but I just watched like every single free safety other than um, Javon Holland. I just like all these free safeties, and that's why I'm higher on them than most people. But Jamar Johnson out of Indiana, he has the ability to bait these guys and force them to make bad throws. He's a great, very smart, instinctual, strong safety. 
a free safety, rather six foot, 205 pounds. Uh, my only flaws with him. I mean, he has the range. He has the blitzing ability. He has everything you want from a free safety. He just doesn't have that elite speed. And you saw him getting burnt a couple of times down, uh, down the field. Cause he lacks that deep speed, but just as someone who I, I know can mess with the quarterback, I think Jamar Johnson is one of the best in this year's class. Yeah, so um, Jamar Johnson was actually a sleeper pick for me, so I, I, I actually agree with everything that you said there. Um, I had Talanoa, Talanoa Hufanga as my number four safety, I believe. Uh, he's got great strength, great size, great coverage skills altogether. He's very versatile as well. My only thing with him, I already I compared him actually to like a Bob Sanders, uh, I believe, uh, when we talked about him as sleeper, sleeper players that we had in our NFL draft. The dude hits hard, Arib, and uh, he, he's just an absolute beast. My only weaknesses with him is uh, injury-prone. He's he, he has missed a lot of time, uh, and I think if he didn't miss time and he kept on showing out his talent, he could honestly be the best save, best uh, safety in this class, but he hasn't he – he's missed a lot of time here, and his athleticism isn't necessarily top tier, so um, that's the only thing the things that are holding back uh, Telenoa Hufanga out of USC. Okay. My number five guy, Terry Gillespie out of Missouri. So the, played with Nick Bolton. He's around three guy for me. Again, another free safety. <laughs> um, same things with Jamar Johnson. He can mess with the quarterback. He has, I, I think he has a better speed and range than Jamar Johnson. I think, I just think Jamar Johnson might be a bit smarter than him when it comes to just football IQ. But again, he has instincts. He knows how to, He's not has a he knows how to fool these guys rather. He, uh, I mean, he's a free safety. He picks off passes and he loves contact and he he likes getting he likes I sort of putting his head down and tackling people. That being said, he is a bit lighter. I believe he's at two hundred pounds. So uh, I think he can work on being a bit more consistent as a tackler. But overall, I like Tyree Gillespie and I think he can uh, he can cover a lot of people on one-on-one coverages as well bracket coverages all that fun stuff I think Tyree Gillespie gives you a really really strong contributor from day one I think as a safety I think he can be a day one starter but yeah um I think your your number five guy was Andre Cisco right I'm also you can go yeah. for it man yeah Andre Cisco safety out of Syracuse uh very athletic um he's quite rangy as well uh he can play over the top in the box or in the slot uh he's an excellent man cut man coverage um he's got fluid hips so his uh his change of direction is very good um yeah he's a ball hawking safety honestly uh and uh the only weakness that i guess really have with him tackling he's he can't his tackling skills need to improve uh he's missed too many tackles for me and uh but but I mean, he is very aggressive, and sometimes he can be too aggressive, overly aggressive. But I think his strength, his strengths are just like, is in my opinion, his strengths outweighs weaknesses. He can be a very excellent, he can be an excellent corner because of uh, his aggressiveness when the ball is in the air. And uh, yeah, he's his uh, ability to extend range is just. Uh, quite special my opinion so i can honestly see him uh being a day two pick here fair enough um any other things you want to say before we head out of here amal really long podcast a bit shorter than last time though but still i think we covered a a good amount of prospects but yeah Yeah. anything you want to say before we we head out of here uh no i think uh we covered uh 
We covered all the players that will most likely be drafted in the first two days. Some maybe in day three, early day three. But uh, I think this gives a good idea of uh, who the top players in this draft class are. So uh, looking forward to the draft. It's one week from today, the, the day we're recording on Thursday, uh, April 22nd. So looking forward to having this draft. We'll probably record one more podcast before the draft, and that'll be our final mock draft. Uh, and then uh, on draft night, we'll anticipate to probably have a podcast to and our, as a reaction, similar to what we did last year, a reaction to all of our first round picks. The 1 a.m. Uh, podcast, baby. Yes, it's going to happen. Yeah. So <laughs> last year, the shock of the night was probably C.D. Lamb falling to the Cowboys. And of course, Jordan Love getting uh, picked, uh, getting traded, uh, trading up for Jordan Love. And then, uh, of course, Jalen Rager being picked over Justin Jefferson. Those were probably the shocks of the night last year. This year, there can be way more. We will see. Um, but, yeah, that's all I got to say. Yep, that is it from Amal. And that is the same thing from whatever he just said. Just copy it word for word. The draft is the week from now, and I'm hyped. And this draft is going to be bonkers, Amal, because there's a lot of teams that could do a lot of thing, different things up high the draft. Starting at, like, number two. Like, Zach Wilson might not even go number two. Who knows? It's projected, but has, the, has Joe Douglas, the GM of the, the Jets, actually told anybody? No. I mean, just, just before we head out, I think people need to realize this. The, like all the rumors are only rumors. Baker Mayfield wasn't even like the quarterback who was being talked about for the Browns until the current the GM at the time. Um, I forget his name, dude. But the GM literally didn't tell anybody until like the week of the draft. He's like, actually, I think I'm going to draft Baker Mayfield, and that changed everyone. That was the week of the draft. Everything changed, and. Who knows? Maybe uh, Justin Fields ends up going to number two. Who knows? But this draft could be very wild, and I'm extremely excited. But that is it for us. Thank you for watching this. Like it. Do all that fun stuff. Subscribe. Thanks for watching and listening. Peace out, and bye.